0: use its charter of the French language as a kind of a master plan, a plan to transform traditionally bilingual Quebec into an essentially French state, a plan to reconquer Quebec from the economic control of the English.
1: And that's a news report from 44 years ago today. It was August 26, 1977, when the separatist Quebec government passed Bill 101. It made French the only official language in the province. And it brought in a host of laws that have restricted the use of English in business, in workplaces, and in education, too. The bill changed life for English-speaking Quebecers and immigrants, including many in the Quebec Jewish community. After Bill 101, at least 40,000 Jews left Quebec for good. Now the province is about to hold public hearings on a new series of amendments to Bill 101 to strengthen the French language charter even more plus declare Quebec a nation within Canada, which critics say overrides the Canadian constitution, which is why one of the original leaders of the English rights movement in Quebec from those early days, Robert Libman, is back in action again. And he's calling for help from both his Francophone neighbours and from all you former Quebec Jews who left.
0: And it's just ripping our society apart to the point where more Anglophones are just going to join you in Toronto over the next uh, 10, 15, 20 years if this continues.
1: I'm Ellen Besner, and this is what Jewish Canada sounds like for Thursday, August 26th, 2021. Welcome to the CJN Daily, sponsored by Metropia. I remember when the Parti Québécois came to power under René Levesque in 1976, and I remember a year later when Bill 101 was passed. Robert Libin and I were teenagers then. We were actually both about to start our final year in the same grade, grade 11, at the Saint Laurent campus of Herzliya High School in Montreal. And like many English-speaking Jewish families that we knew, my parents started seriously looking to leave Quebec, maybe even move to Ottawa. But it didn't work out for us in the end, and they stayed, although I left the next year for university in Ontario. Robert Libman also stayed. He graduated with an architecture degree from McGill, and then he entered politics. He founded the English Language Rights Equality Party. They sat in Quebec's National Assembly for a few years, then he did a stint as a mayor, and now, although he's out of politics officially, the 60-year-old activist is a columnist for the Montreal Gazette. Coming up, we'll talk to him about why he's back fighting language battles again after four decades over the proposed new law he says injects steroids into Bill 101. But first, here's what's making news elsewhere in Canada right now. Some Liberal Party candidates across Canada are finding their election signs being defaced with anti-Semitic symbols, including swastikas and other racial graffiti. Montreal MPs Anthony Housefather and Rachel Bendayan have had it the worst so far. Housefather tells me 40 of his posters have now been targeted, mostly in the Snowden area, decorated with Hitler mustaches and comments. By the way, it's happening now even to some non Jewish Liberal candidates in Surrey, B.C., and also in Aurora Newmarket and in Oak Ridge's Richmond Hill. In Nova Scotia, the Green Party's position on Israel and Palestinians is under the microscope again after it was revealed that one of its candidates has a history of tweeting that Israel is like Nazi Germany and that the Gaza Strip is like Auschwitz. The tweets came out before the last election in 2019 from candidate Rana Zaman. She was supposed to represent the NDP in the riding of Dartmouth-Coal Harbour, but the NDP dropped her because of the controversy. She later apologized and admitted her comments were anti-Semitic and hurtful. And joining me now is Robert Libman to explain why he wrote that this is no time for English Quebecers to take the rest of the summer off. Uh, can you speak about the impact that Bill 101 had on the Jewish community as well as the Anglophone community?
0: Well, I don't think that it had specific uh, impact on the Jewish community or religious aspects uh, to any degree. But I will tell you that as a member of the Jewish community, members of the Jewish community have antennae for human rights violations, probably a little bit more acute than than the rest of the population. So we were starting to see in this the possibility of minority rights being compromised because of this. We were a little bit more um, aware and conscious of that phenomenon, I think, more than the rest of uh, the standard Anglophone community. And, and people saw the writing on the wall to some degree. And, and as I said, the first real um, a seismic shift was when we saw people, friends, uh, people we knew started talking about just getting up and leaving, uprooting. Quebec, which was the home for many in the Jewish community at the time. It was the largest uh, Jewish community in Canada, was in Montreal back then. And people all of a sudden started talking in larger numbers than usual, but just getting up and leaving. They were worried, they saw the writing on the wall, and they didn't see a future for themselves in uh, in Quebec. And that's the beginning of the end. There was the lead-up to the uh, referendum in 1980, which, as I said, really intensified some of the concerns that we had. And, and then the law became the law, and uh, that in itself was... Um, was somewhat shocking for a community to be told that their, their language, their, their place in Quebec has now been relegated to second-class citizenry.
1: All right, so let's flash forward to uh, this year in May uh, with the Quebec government um, introducing uh, the amendment or the strengthening Bill 96. We should just review for our listeners a little couple of the, uh, the main points of Bill 96 and why people are uh, it's so controversial. Yeah.
0: Well, there's, there's a number of things in there. It, it really b- bureaucratizes um, uh, the French language and culture. It forces all businesses to operate, or all businesses with 25 employees or more, to operate uh, fully in French. Uh, it really it allows the government um, uh, to just go into any business without a warrant and start to investigate whether you're operating fully in French or what you're doing and how you're operating. But one of the more troubling aspects of this new legislation is that it says that that the Canadian Constitution is unilaterally modified uh, with the recognition that Quebec forms a nation within Canada, and the language spoken in that nation is French. So what does that mean? Does that mean that the Charter of Rights and Freedoms have to be watered down now as an interpretive clause so that any rights question regarding the linguistic minority in Quebec is superseded by the fact that Quebec is a nation and that language that nation is French? That's of great concern to, to most of us because it almost becomes a de facto separation of Quebec without, you know, Quebec can still be part of Canada but operate as if it's its own country, the Char- Canadian Charter of Rights and Freedoms becomes uh, irrelevant at that point. And that's that's probably one of the big um, sticking points for many of us, that it almost legitimizes the subjugation of uh, minority community language rights in Quebec. And, and just as much of a shock was the fact that Justin Trudeau came out and said that this is a legitimate request by the Quebec government. So that's something that's Uh, really raising the um, the alarm bells recently and in the coming uh, public hearings that is going to be a major focus i think of some of the or the few anglophone community groups i think only three so far have been allowed to participate
1: so let's talk about this uh the liberal uh mps and people that have uh, Quebec based writings in federal government and the other parties seem to have sort of said, no problem, whatever you want. Cause you know, they're even the NDP, all of them are kind of, you know, taking taking the, uh, uh, the view that whatever we need to do to get elected in Quebec, we're just gonna approve whatever they ask. This.
0: Well, Quebec Anglophones are political orphans right now. And to those of you in Toronto, please come help us, come come, adopt us, come to our support. It's very frustrating because all the political parties, every member of parliament, it seems, for all the political parties in the rest of Canada are trying to curry favor with Quebec nationalism. They feel that the Anglophone community, which is concentrated in a limited number of ridings on the island of Montreal, is not... Um, exciting enough political capital for them. It's very troubling because it's it's a question of minority language rights. We're still part of the rest of Canada. We're true and proud Canadians. And we're being told by federal politicians that our vote doesn't matter anymore.
1: You mentioned in one of your columns uh, that, you know, the Anglophone community in Quebec is not the only one that's going to be impacted by the changes in bill 96, because it's going to limit the opportunities, uh, for uh, people who are going to go to school and not be allowed to learn the English language. And that hurts them internationally and globally. Um, you called the take one for the team. Just that's when the Habs were playing. Walk, what walk, walk, through what that means.
0: Yeah. You're, you're raising an important point there because that, you know, many Francophones, uh, are being affected negatively by this as well. The language of commerce, of trade, of, of the internet is, is English. And Bill 96, this new law, also limits francophones' access to English education. Many francophones right now are forced to go to French schools throughout their primary and high school years. So unless your parent comes from another or was educated in English in the rest of Canada or in Quebec, and they, they can't go to English schools in Quebec. So many francophones, in order to expand their horizons, switch to an English um, CGEP. CGEP. is in Quebec is the, the post-high uh, school, two years, it's almost like junior college. I don't think there's anything that's similar in Ontario, but we have this two-year junior college program between high school and university. And many francophones go into English CGEPs, be able to expand, as I said, their horizons. They recognize the importance of being able to speak multiple languages. Yet Bill 96 caps the limit of uh, access to those CGEPs to francophones, and that's of great concern to many of them. And I wrote about how they are taking one for the team, yet individually they're they're limiting their own opportunity for growth and evolution.
1: One final thing. So uh, a recent flashpoint happened in the uh, city of, uh, of Hampstead, where they just felt that they had to remove the English words from the streets. Um, talk to me about the this new bill and the strengthening of the power of this Quebec language office. So
0: it really is just opening up a, uh, a door to tensions again, to language battles, to, to old scars that uh, we haven't seen for a while. Things had calmed down for quite some time and it all it's doing is just ripping open those scars for, for what? For what benefit? You know, whether whether the Internet is reality, whether immigrants who come into Quebec decrease the, the percentage of pure-born francophones, it's inevitable. You know, immigration will do that. The number of, uh, of francophones born here will gradually diminish over time because of immigration. And that's a phenomenon we have to embrace instead of, uh, instead of seeing it as, uh, as a as a cry of alarm, which is what many Francophones are doing, and it's just ripping our society apart to the point where more Anglophones are just going to join you in Toronto.
1: And that's what Jewish Canada sounds like for this episode of the CJN Daily, sponsored by Metropia. Integrity, community, quality, and customer care. Today's listener shout out goes to Robin Roger of Toronto. By the way, Robin was one of the people who ran New Jewish Press under legendary publisher Malcolm Lester. And they published my first book, Double Threat, about Canada's Jewish servicemen and women who served in World War II. We'll end today's episode with Anthony Housefather, the Liberal MP for Mount Royal, explaining how he's fighting back against having his campaign posters defaced.
0: My message is it's an indication of escalating anti-Semitism in Canada. It's something that I've never faced in all of my previous election campaigns. It's happening repeatedly and not only to me, but to other liberal candidates as well in this election. And it's entirely unacceptable as a society that we're faced with this because while I may have thick skin and I may be used to political life, I could certainly see it deterring other good people from wanting to enter political office. And it's not something that I take lightly, the comparison of a political candidate who happens to be Jewish with a Nazi symbol, Um, you know, whether it's using the Jewish star in anti-vaccination protests or putting swastikas on Jewish candidates' posters or other candidates' posters, it's, it's just completely unacceptable.